Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. All right, we are excited to have a dear friend of our company with us today and a true expert in the area of data. He has been at it for well over a decade, but actually pretty much 10 years exactly with his current company, Gecko Board. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to uh, welcome Paul Joyce. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jürgen. Yeah, sure thing. Hey, we're going to hop right in because the thing that I've noticed is the companies that we're talking to and really everything I'm picking up out there, so to speak, in the market is that companies truly do want to do more and do better with data. They want to have a data structure. They want to have a data strategy, et cetera. They want to harness data, but it doesn't seem like we've quite gotten there. Uh, what are you seeing relative to that at this moment? Yeah, I mean, that's precisely how I characterize it. And I think, you know, this comes from conversations that we have with customers every day uh, who are looking for a better way to become more data driven in their organization, make better decisions with data. Um, But it's also backed up with like empirical data. I think New Vantage partners have been doing an annual big data and AI survey. And this is uh, going out to uh, Fortune 1000 companies, uh, C-level execs there, so CEO, CDO, CIO, CTOs uh, in those organizations and asking them like, like fairly um, targeted questions about their aspirations and how, they're, how, they're, uh, how, how reality is matching their aspirations about becoming a, a data-driven company. And the, the, the data like, couldn't be clearer from there and from other sources, but looking at the new uh, Vantage partners, uh, data like the most recent survey 2020 um, we've seen like 90 plus percent of these large organizations that uh, that want to have a data-driven culture so they understand they understand the reasons for it and the benefits for it and we can go into that in a bit uh, but but only like well less than 30 percent of them are actually managing to do that right it's and, and that isn't because of hardware or software or tooling it, it's nothing to do with that or spend in fact where you know, uh, you know more than half of these companies uh reported that their investments around data and ai and they now exceed like over 50 million dollars a year and that's growing it's up 40 percent on the previous year so it's not it's not the lack of kind of of, of will to throw money at this or to or, or technology here uh, in fact the majority of them so cite uh, uh, cultural issues and process issues like so it's people things that are stopping them from adopting this culture of data it is it's not that there isn't tooling or there isn't databases and there isn't you know great software there it's that the processes aren't in place that people don't feel comfortable to give data a seat at the table and i think uh, you know this is something that uh, that 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 is getting worse, not better, uh, and uh, and I think it's it's incumbent on 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 organisations and for us as an industry to do far better with this because we know and the evidence is there that, that this was this is this is not new that uh, you know data based 
decision-making beats intuition and gut feeling every time. Even a small amount of good data beats, beats, beats your gut every single time. And so, so companies know the, the importance of this. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you touched on it, right? It's, it's a human thing that's standing in the way. But if we go a little deeper on that, what are some of the specifics you're seeing as to why there is such a gap between where organizations want to be and where they are actually are here late in 2020? Yeah, well, I think, I think it, it's not a trivial thing to transform an organization. And I think uh, there, are, there are probably a number of causes for this. I think some of the ones identified in, in, in some of these surveys suggest things like, you know, a digital transformation project that has gone wrong, right? Something that has, that, that, that has had the best of intentions to begin with, but has, alas, failed in, in, in doing something. And that builds up this um, suspicion or resentment of these sort of things. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's it's just that. I think there's also how do you how do you take something that can be quite complex and roll it out? Like so 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 um, making decisions based on data is not something not an inherent skill that each of us are born with. It is something that like that our 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 biases need to be overcome. We think we have a view of the world, but unless it's informed by something empirical, we can't really know how true that that, that view is. The unfortunate thing is, is when people stick to that view uh, uh, because the evidence isn't there. And I think there's, there's a whole suite of things that need to be done, but like the, the advantages of it, if we, go, if we go right the way back, why do these firms actually want to become more data-driven? Why do they want to have a culture of, of data? Well, the reality is they feel like they're going to be left behind if they don't, because somebody else is going to eat their breakfast. Somebody else is going to make better decisions, able to act faster, have a more kind of uh, data-savvy team um, will, uh, will, will, will come in and, 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 and take a slice of their market. You know? So fear of disruption is a hugely motivating factor in the adoption of AI, and, and it's, it's, it's leading to a, like a, a huge amount of urgency on this, uh, and and unfortunately, I think that sometimes the uh, the impulse is to is to is to is to throw uh, you know technology at this when actually the the real issue is is the interface of technology and people, and 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 that's the bit that needs to be worked out. And I think uh, you know rolling out data isn't just a, a matter of making you know. Uh, making some key reports available to to certain interested parties it requires a mind shift change it requires a, a an, an openness to be willing to kind of uh, let uh, we call it let data have a seat at the table like it it, 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 it not that data dictates what happens but data has a, a, a role in the decision making process and and i i feel like it's it's you know, part of the problem is a failure of leadership in some of these organizations uh, and like organizations that have maybe had their fingers burnt by these kind of things before. Uh, the fact that sometimes they're so big and, and it can be very hard for, for these uh, cultural changes to sweep through the organization in a real way um, without like you know, good sponsorship from on high. Um, 
And also, what is the role of some of these people? Who owns this? Who, who should be doing this? Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, education is one part, but motivation is another. And I, I think sometimes, um, particularly in, in larger, maybe slower moving organizations compared to like startups or scale ups and things like that. But in, in, in some larger organizations, they're there can be uh, institutional resistance to change. And, uh, and, and the problem is, is that when, you know, when, when a weak desire to become data-driven or an unplanned uh, approach to becoming data-driven uh, meets that uh, institutional intransigence, um, then things just get lost. And, and it, it, becomes a, you know, it becomes an easy thing to say, okay, this requires another digital transformation project. This desire, desire you know, we need more technology, we need better technology, we need artificial intelligence and machine learning, all of these kind of hot topics. But actually, if we scale things back and say, well, what are the, how can we articulate the benefits of making better decisions with data to, First of all, key people within the organizations, those that can wield some sort of influence and some sort of power who can, who can push things through, um, uh, and then educate our people, like everyone, uh, as to how in their role, not everyone's going to have the same needs and, uh, uh, for access to data, but in their role, where does data play a, a part? And, and, uh, and with that, you'll begin to kind of uncover I mean, I've worked in some of these organizations in the past. I, I know what it's like. I've seen, um, I've seen reticence to, to this because it, is, it hasn't been sold in well, actually. It's, it's not been sold in uh, in a way that inspires people. Uh, in fact, sometimes they may not even know what's happening around them, but uh, the, the fear uh, or there's maybe some low-level paranoia that, uh, that, that the data will be used as a stick with which they will be hit at some future point, right? Uh, so if you're putting my stats up on a big dashboard, is this some way of trying to shame me into doing a better job? Or are you trying to expose something here? Or, you know, there's that kind of stuff. Whereas I think if you go in with a different message that actually the data is going to not only help you do a better job, but help you show the people around you, not only the, 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 the job that you're doing, how much you're getting through, and I've got some good examples of this and which we can go into, um, but also uh, be, be a lever that, that empowers the, the, the employees, the people on the shop floor, to be, able to, to be able to mandate further changes. So, for example, if you've got, uh, if you're telling people, well, these are the three things that are important in our department or in our business or, in our, you know, these are the metrics that we're trying to keep, uh, keep an eye on um, or, or that we want to move in some way, positive, uh, you know, one way or another. Um, one way of doing that is to, is, to, is, to, is to say, well, these are the metrics by which you're going to be judged. That's going to solicit a very different reaction than, like, these are the metrics that we believe are key to our success. If there is an impediment to you hitting those metrics, we want to know about it early so we can help you out. Uh, and, and that kind of fundamentally upends the conversation. It isn't about using data to, to, as a punitive measure or some sort of... Uh, um, you know, big brother, making sure that you're doing your job. It is using data to allow you to say, 
if you want me to change this number, then you need to be able to give me the, the tools, the processes and things in order to be able to change that number. It is a statement of intent. It's a very powerful thing. Putting metrics in front, like committing to specific metrics or KPIs, um, or OKRs or V2MOMs or whatever system you want to use, but committing to those kind of things is a very powerful thing. But it isn't, the power doesn't just go from those who are setting the metrics down to those who are, who are due to implement it. Actually, I see it as the other way around. It is a very powerful thing. So if your boss comes to you and says, well, this is the metric that's important, then we need to have a conversation and you feel like you, you, you don't have the support in order to be able to do it. That's a conversation that needs to happen. And it's better to happen in the open and in response to this. Like, why is this metric failing? Well, it's not because I am failing. It's because I don't feel like I have the support in my job or the team has the support or the backing or the whatever else in order to be able to do this. And if that metric truly is important to that organization, then it's important that that message is relayed back upwards because if, if they want to make some meaningful progress on that, things need to change. And I think that is the, that, that's the lens that I think that, that, that things should be looked at, but not, you know, that is, this isn't on the employees to look at this like this. It is on the leadership of an organization to recognize that this is, that this is you know, a, a change and maybe an intimidating change for a large part of their workforce, but, uh, but, but flipping the narrative as, as, a, as a way of saying that this is actually empowers these teams to be able to say, well, you know, we're, not, we're not going to be able to hit those goals without getting some more support from above or some air cover. Um, so I think, I think, you know, very long way of kind of trying to answer the question, but I think that the reason a lot of these companies struggle with it is because there are human beings at the other end of it, and those human beings feel threatened. And 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 when when you have an institution, um, sometimes those doors can come down, and without very strong leadership and and very clear like uh, change management in place, uh, the message is going to get lost, and it's just going to be yet another failed initiative. And yeah, so much in there and, and really good. But a couple of the things that I'm really pulling out of that, Paul, is one, this, this idea that, sure, at a high level, we were saying inside companies, yeah, we want to be more data driven, but we haven't maybe thought about how the rest of the organization thinks about that. So there needs to be a conversation about it, right? There needs to be you know, reassurance, there needs to be a, a narrative really internally about what it means that we're taking these steps towards being a more data-driven organization. That one really stands out to me. And, and it's, it's quite the aha, actually, because it's so easy, especially in a leadership position, to just think about the positives of it and actually forget that people might have certain fears around it, right? The other thing is just kind of going from intention to implementation, right? And saying like, okay, well, now we're gonna do it. Let's even say that we have started talking about it and we're getting some buy-in. There's still so many things that can go wrong. I imagine that plenty of companies have had false starts with data projects, right? So- Yeah, all the time, other... I mean- I... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I think I think that's it's almost a defining characteristic of data projects is that there are so many false starts. Uh, I, my my data career um, goes back ten years before I started Gecko Board, uh, but the number of 
projects, uh, and this is not even building data warehouse, the number of projects in different organizations that had the name Genesis in them was uh, like what they were called Genesis, right? We're going to start again, right? This is the fresh beginning is going to happen. Well, that speaks to something. I mean, I, I think pretty much every organization I worked in had a Genesis project on it and on the data team. And, uh, and I, th I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about here. It's this, it's this, you know, false starts happen because the will is great and the intention is, is great. But thinking that through, I mean, the, the, the most naive way of thinking about it is that let's get these new systems and look, uh, I love self-service BI. I, I think it's an incredibly, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing. We use it ourselves at Gekkaboard, um, you know, a, a way of people in the organization being able to ask important questions of, of, of data, to expect everybody to be in a self-service BI tool, to expect everybody to read the PDF report that these things churn out and sent into an email or up onto a corporate wiki, to expect everybody to, like, get into the heads of everyone who send, sends them a bloody spreadsheet who's covering their asses like it's just unrealistic it's utterly unrealistic so like the the only way i think of 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 approaching this that isn't going to be a false start from the get-go is incredibly like strong savvy and compassionate um high level leadership that's the only thing that does this and and exactly where that lives will 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 differ from place to place but i, I you know the, the senior leadership at an organization need to be convinced that this is a worthwhile thing to do and to be able to put all of their um uh, you know the, the, their their influence behind it to ensure that ensure that it gets done because the default state of any data project is false starts and an underwhelming damp squib at the end. Yeah, wow. In the context of, let's say, internal communication, and you're a large organization, what, what are the components of a successful data project? You know, starting from leadership, being convinced, and then the, the, the personnel needed, the types of tools needed, the processes, like what, what goes into it? Hmm. Uh, so like, exactly what would be needed will clearly be different from organization to organization and from like project goals to project goals. But I think there are, there are probably some you know, common themes. The first is that strong like, leadership like buy-in, that's it. Like, like really, really strong. Because um, without that, you're not going to have the, the the energy and sustained momentum to get to get over the finish line. But the second is is to um, you know uh, rid ourselves of this ridiculous notion that um, technology uh, and and software uh, are the keys here. Uh, it isn't. It is. It is about culture. It is about hearts and minds, and and designing something from the ground up that is respectful of the humanity of the people who who, who, who you're trying to whose, whose behavior you're trying to change is probably the most important thing. Um, but I, I think you know. I, I think when we even if you look at the role of senior leadership here. Uh, uh, a lot of organizations, a lot of organizations go, you know, are going in for this 
CDO, this, this chief data officer role. Uh, and, and what's telling is that the majority, uh, for, for, for large organizations, the majority of these uh, um, chief data officers are coming from outside the business um, because they need that fresh blood, that injection of new energy, that new thinking and that new way of looking at things. I mean, clearly, if you've got somebody who's, who, who feels passionately and strongly about this in the organization, that's even better. But sometimes like, the lack of institutional conditioning can be a very good thing uh, when it comes to this. But what is a CDO? And, you know, I was looking at a Harvard Business Review paper a little while ago where it talked about what, you know, what is a, what is a, a chief data officer? Well, it's, 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 it's a dozen different things and almost nothing. It's a, it's, it's, you know, but, but I think a lot of organizations when they think about this aren't thinking of it as like a champion for data-driven decision-making and processes within their organization. They're thinking about this as somebody who's going to look after compliance or data privacy or security, data security, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the real, the key here is for, for somebody in that position to, to see data as a way of making better decision-making, a way of keeping teams aligned. Uh, it's not just about compliance, but how can marketing benefit for this? How can customer service benefit? How can we make more money by making better data-driven decisions? And, and I think that has to be the starting point. Uh, and, and understanding that you're embarking on a, a journey of cultural change, not just like process change, not technology, technological change, but cultural change and understanding that you need to meet people where they are and not ask them to, to climb a huge hill. And meeting people where they are, allowing, allowing a situation where you know, data begins to have a seat at the table, um, uh, begins to be, come into conversations. Like, and, and a great example that, of what, a, a very practical example of what a leader can do in situation once they've started on this process is, is, is to ask people, you know, what does the data say? Do you have the data to support that point? And, and, and this will begin to flush out. Like asking that question uh, and, and doing it in a meaningful way will begin to flush out where things are like, well, no, I don't have that data or no, I didn't look at that data or, or I don't have the ability to be able to see that versus, uh, oh, I got different views of that data. It's unclear what it means. I mean, I worked in organizations, I've worked in organizations where there have been like, at least three different definitions of what a customer is, depending on who you asked in the org. In, in the, in the org. A different, different parts of the organization would, be, would define what a customer is in a different way. And, and, and you know, this seems like something that you know, most companies uh, should, you know, should have a handle on. Uh, but, but actually, when you get to large organizations, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's quite different. And, um, and I think it, it, it genuinely does come from, from the leadership. I think Splunk, who do kind of uh, data analytics, you know, they, sent, uh, they asked uh, 1,300 senior execs uh, about you know, data and how they use data in their organization. 81% like, uh, of them said that, yes, data skills are required to become a senior leader in their company. 81%. 67% said that they themselves are not comfortable accessing or using data, right? So, so I think that speaks to a, a huge 
a huge problem. Like the majority of, 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 of the, the survey respondents said that like data skills are harder to learn than other business skills uh, uh, or that they're too old to learn data skills. Uh, but but all, of this, all of this can be changed if we take a human first approach as opposed to technology first approach. If you say, well, how do we get that buy-in? How do we show that this is something that we A, care deeply about, but B, like are, are willing to like, you know, challenge our values and challenge like how we go about things in order to be able to do it. It's, 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 it isn't trivial. It isn't trivial. And I think that it is it, the, the trap of like spending money to, to get out of this or to kind of, or, or, you know, or to try and kind of approach it from a technology first um, standpoint is there. And I think so many, so many businesses fall into that trap. We see it. We, we speak to these customers all the time. In fact, we have a, um, we have a, uh, uh, a customer of ours who has uh, well over 10,000 employees um, who tried to use Gekkaboard um, back in the day. So these are, these are, it's a software company. They're a very large firm, multinational, and they tried to bring in, uh, uh, in their in their in their product groups, they tried to bring in uh, Gekkaboard to to help standardize a set well they have a standardized set of metrics that they were judging each kind of potential product by or, or products that were in development by and then they would use Gekkaboard to say okay well which products which of these are performing better which need more help which of them you know which of these uh, uh, have reached critical thresholds that say yes this is a, it's a live opportunity for us to go out and productionize and all that kind of thing and which need to be um, you know stopped um, so they tried this uh, and uh, they set it all up. They got all the data in there. They started using it, but it just, after a few months, it just stopped. It just stopped and there wasn't, there wasn't, it, it wasn't being used. Um, and then they, they came back uh, 18 months, two years later. And the reason we know this, because we spoke to, we spoke to them, we, we kind of uh, tried to really understand because we saw this, came in, started using it, stopped using it, then came back and then bang, it was like suddenly something clicked. Usage was through the roof. Dashboards had been accessed all the time. New dashboards had been created on a regular basis. Like this thing was being, like, was being used. So what was the difference between in that 18 months, what happened? Well, what happened was that they brought in a, an outside um, VP of, uh, VP of information or something. I can't, I can't quite remember the date, the title, but like, like data or analytics or something like that, who had the mandate from the very top of the organization to be able to roll out this approach uh, and to, 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 to change the culture with it. So it wasn't a lone voice saying, we should do this, waving a little flag. It had the full weight of the organization behind it and, and they had the full blessing uh, of the organization behind that. And they were able to educate the people. They were able to you know, look at, look at um, the processes and see where it could be, uh, where, where, this, uh, where, where data could in, inject into part of that process. And they committed to it. And they committed to it for a, a period of time such that, those initial resistances, uh, people began to trust came into the situation. You know, it wasn't a stick with which to hit people. It wasn't all that kind of thing. The initial re resistances began to ebb away and it became part of their culture. And it was like, it was amazing to see in the data and it was even better to hear the reasons behind this. But uh, it's, it, this, is, this, is, this is what's needed. It's a it, it very strong corporate um, leadership. 
And if you can't get that from within, then you need to bring it in from without because, uh, because expecting things to change uh, whilst, whilst those cultural things are not, um, is, is, is not going to end well. Such an important takeaway, right? I mean, I think for a while it was, it was understandable for a while that we made the mistake of thinking that it was about tech, right? Or we thought it was about budget or we thought it was simply about resource allocation, you know, in other ways or human resource or whatever. But the fact that it is even more human than that, that is about culture, it is about understanding and alignment on what this is even about that that is the foundation for any kind of success with this is so powerful. Um, along those lines, you know, we, we, are, we are going pretty deep um, on this topic of connection at work, connection in the workplace, which is broad. It can mean connection to our colleagues, to the mission, connection to the work, seeing how the work is connected to the purpose, all that stuff, right? We think data and especially the right kind of sharing of data is a massive unlock for further connection. You want to speak a little bit about your perspective around that? Yeah, um, and uh, I hope this doesn't come across as uh, shilling our own product, but I can only speak from our experience from, from, doing, from doing this and hearing reports back. So our product uh, allows you to put metrics uh, on a dashboard that is typically shown up on, on screens and offices. So these are for teams or, or even whole businesses that, that, that want to rally around or align around a set of metrics and that's really important to them. Um, so as I, as I mentioned before, we use BI tools at Gekkaboard and we love them. They're great. Uh, they're great for what they do. They are answering, uh, help us answer questions of the date and do all of that kind of thing. But after we understand the metrics that we want to keep an eye on. Then the most important thing there is not well, how do we slice them and dice them and do all of that kind of thing, it's how do we communicate them, right? So how do we, how do we get that data into the hands of people? Why? Well, uh, first of all, it's, it's incredibly empowering thing to, to A, know what you're shooting for and B, be able to feel like you can con contribute to success of like moving a number right if it's human nature if you see a number you want to improve on it and so i think that like uh, what we found is that communication is uh is the thing that unlocks this is the thing that unlocks the cultural process the thing that builds trust it is uh it is you know uh, our customers often describe uh, their their TV dashboards with, the, with, the, with all the important metrics on as the water cooler in their office. And you can think about the, a water cooler. What happens at a water cooler? People sit around, they talk, they communicate, they kind of, they, their guards are down. It's not a formal setting. It's a, it is a relaxed setting. And actually, some of my best conversations have been around the water cooler, right? It, it, you're out of the mode of, this is a business meeting, whatever else. You're in a mode of, well, hmm, okay, maybe, uh, curious and you want to learn and you're, you're interacting with another human being these all of these different kind of things and so what we found is like like by our customers found and we found it ourselves but is 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 by having that dashboard up uh what, uh things start to happen that don't happen when you email around a spreadsheet to a bunch of people or you put something up on a on a on a corporate wiki and you ask them to go to it when you 
bring the data to where people are and that data is relevant and pertinent to their goals and they feel invested in it and connected in it you start having conversations that go something like huh i wonder what's happening with this number here it seems to have gone up or down and oh yeah i, I think these folks are working on something and we've seen a big spike oh that's really cool i wonder if we could do that these are the kind of conversations organic spontaneous uh worthwhile non-formal that, that that begin to coalesce into a culture right so so the the human side of it is is acknowledging that well there's two two things to to bringing data to people there's physically you need to bring it to them in other words instead of them having to rummage through their emails or you know some corporate wiki or some, some, some spreadsheet to try and find a pertinent piece of information, then try and draw the people's attention to it. Like, first thing to do is to bring that data to them, right? How can you, what are the ways that you can do to make it easy for them to consume that data, like physically consume, like understand, get, ingest that data. And then the other side of it is, how do you remove the cognitive barriers to them interpreting that data correctly, right? So instead of having complicated spider graphs and radar charts and, and, and donuts with like, you know, a dozen different segments and all of this kind of thing, let's pare it down, design it for how human beings are physiologically wired to ingest this kind of thing, how our brains are wired, right? Our visual cortex can consume a huge amount of, 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 of of information in, like, well, they call it pre-attentively in under 250 milliseconds. Like it can, if it's designed in the right way, if it's designed like, a, like an ugly Excel spreadsheet, it's going to take a different route. So you have to physically put it in front of people, bring the data to the people, not the other way around, and then make it really easy for them to interpret it. And then they can start to have conversations about it. And when they, when they can start to have conversations about it, and when this thing is brought to them in their daily life, then a different thing starts happening. So you have those spontaneous conversations, but then you have the rhythm of the business, right? You have the rhythm of the ups and downs, what's normal, what's not. Uh, and then other and second order conversations can start to happen. Not, oh, this seems to be going up or this seems to go down. It's like, that seems to be unusual, or this seems to be like indicating success or failure of something. How do we scratch beneath the surface of that? And by having that there present, even when it's like on the, on the daily cadence, where it, like if, it's, if it changes, you know, some of our customers do like monthly, some weekly, most daily, uh, and within those inter-daily, right? Some, some teams are, 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 are looking at the dashboard multiple times per hour because it's important, it's operational data that changes quite quickly. Um, but if that, if that cadence is there, then, uh, then people begin to like, uh, pick up an intuitive rhythm of the business and they're able to kind of say oh these these sort of things seem to result in these sort of these sort of inputs result in these sort of outputs you know, whether that's seasonality of their business or the effectiveness of a marketing campaign or you know uh, the new hiring spree that we're doing you know seeing the results of these things coming through is energizing as hell and people suddenly feel connected to it and they connect and they have a shared bond with other people who are talking about the same thing and it's the same as if it was a, a people are talking about the same football club right it's 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 something in common that people can talk about that 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 allows them to it allows that to be form part of that relationship and so to do that you absolutely have to bring the data to the people uh, and not the other way around you kind of coerce people into looking at like 
shitty spreadsheets and expect them to feel energized about it. It just doesn't happen. Um, so when, when this happens, I think uh, it, it becomes an infectious thing uh, and, 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 and organizations can then, it, it becomes a self-reinforcing virtuous circle because you present this data, people feel invested in it, they start to talk about it, they understand it more, and it becomes part of their process. And so like, on the occasion that maybe we've had some downtime in their past or there's been some problems on a customer's account, or whatever else, um, like, a hugely surprising to me number of customers come to us like, straight away saying, what's going on? We're flying blind. We can't see our numbers it, because they get used to it. They get used to having it. It becomes, it's the same, like it, 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 an analogy that I've tortured many times in the past is like the dashboard of your car. When you're driving around the road and you look down, you look back up on the road, uh, at the road. But if somebody was to obscure that, if somebody was to like put a piece of paper in front of your dashboard, you would necessarily drive more conservatively. You would certainly refuel more often. You wouldn't know whether there's an engine management warning light on. You'd be making sure that you were going under the speed limit, not just right next to it. Like you would drive more conservatively. You wouldn't take, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't be able to be as efficient as a, a driver. You, would, you know, Imagine not knowing if you were about to run out of fuel or not, or how far down. I reckon I'm somewhere between a quarter and, 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 a, and, and an eighth of a tank left. Maybe, or maybe I kind of just zoned out. Maybe I'm less than, I've got to go in and fill up again. Like they, it changes the way you drive, but it's the same with data. If people are used to having that cadence, it allows them to make better decisions, move faster, move more confidently, and like have a shared experience with others in the organization. That's the goal. That's, that's, what, that's what we're after. That's what these digital transformation projects are about. It's about energizing people to use data to help get better results and help them feel more confident about their decision making. And, and that's what we need to keep our eye on. That's the prize. Uh, and, uh, and anything that impedes that or gets in the way of that um, is, is the distraction. That's brilliant, Paul. Thank you so much. We really enjoy these insights and your perspective. This has been absolutely phenomenal. I think very helpful for many folks out there. So thank you. No, not at all. It's a pleasure. Never get bored of this sort of stuff, Jürgen. I can tell. I can tell. It's awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.